0: You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, I Do. This series works to take a fresh look at matrimony, marital brokenness, and dynamic singleness. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Uh,
1: today is the, uh, the last, uh, uh, the final uh, message in the I Do series in, in uh, we 've talked about expectations we 've talked about husbands and wives and i want to talk I want to address singles in this in this series called i do um, you know what you know what do we what do you get yourself into when it comes to to marriage what 's that like but also you know is it even something that I should be doing and so what what i 've thought to do today is to uh, not to address this subject from thirty thousand feet like a sermon like okay, this is what singleness is, but just to talk practically um, as i 've thought about it and prayed about it, just really wanting to express some advice and some uh, coaching, if you can call that, just to just to share my heart. And maybe you're thinking like, well, you know, what do you, I mean, you, you're talking to us about being single and you're not single. I mean, what, where's your, you know, where's that coming from? Well, A, I, I was single once, <laughs> right? Uh, but also, I just really believe, I, I feel this, I mean, I think God's put an earnest care in my heart, Um. For you, I think God's. Um, I, I think that that there are there are lies that we all believe. I think there are particularly insidious lies uh, that those who are single believe, particularly around the idea of, of loneliness. Um. You know, you you feel that you're the exception. That this is for everyone else, but for me, this I'm the exception. They, everyone else has this, and I don't have this, and. And I just, I feel that. And I want to hopefully share some things that might um, be helpful for you today. So this will be a little bit different. So I just, I've got, I, I did a blog post um, a, few, a few years ago. A guy in our church named David Quad uh, writes a, a great blog called Gospel Relevance. And I wrote uh, 10 things, 10 pieces of advice uh, to, to those who are, are single and I'm going to take out uh, six or seven. I won't get to all ten. But if you want to read those, you can go to his blog and check that out, gospelrelevance.com. But here's, here we go. Ready? Ready? Who here is single? Show me. Make some noise. Yeah. All right. You are way better than the married folk. They were terrible. Me? Yeah. All right. Okay, number one. Make Jesus your main love. Make Jesus your main love. I'm not much of a fan of Tom Cruise anyway, but Jerry Maguire is full of it. Um, he, Tom Cruise went to a new low in, in that movie. Uh, there is no person who can complete you. There's no, there's no job that can complete you. There's no hobby that can complete you, and there certainly is no spouse that can completely complete Complete you. Make Jesus your main love. Now I know you may be thinking like, okay, so you say I'm supposed to make Jesus my main love as a Christian. Interesting, I've never thought of that. Love Jesus. I mean, I know that's kind of basic. But look, this is, this is the thing that messes all of us up. Um, this isn't just a single person challenge. This is an all of us challenge. Uh, and we have this idea that we need to go out and find the one. You know, how do I know if he's the one? How do I know if she's the one? The one for the Christian is Jesus. The best that I can be for Rachel, who's my wife, is number two. The best I can be for her is I'm the number two. And I would love it. I would love it one of these days. Someone come to my office and say, hey, you know what, Brian, I'm so excited. I, 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 I finally found the two. Because, of course, the one is Jesus. But I found the two. I found the second one that, that, that I, I feel called to pour my life into. And they, you know, them pour my life into me. Um, the best I can be for Rachel, the best that she can be for me is the two. No one can be your primary source of love, identity, affection, provision. And we're trying to build this into our kids. That, you know, God's the one who we need to love the most. Because he's the one who loves us the most. So he's your BFF uh, he's your father. In fact, I think Josie's getting this too well. I mean, I was, we were laying um, in the bed the other night, just a couple of weeks ago, and she looks at me and she's like, did you know that God is my real father? You're just my pretend dad. Like, Josie, you mean like one of your stuffed animals? And so like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Like she's getting that to love God the most, but I I, I would hope that it'd be a little bit more than Twilight Sparkle. I mean like I want to be more than that to her, but she's going the right practically speaking, so if say you do want to be married, if you have this idea that I'm like I'm half of a person looking for another half of a person and we can somehow become whole, let me just give you some advice. You will absolutely suck the life out of the person that you marry if you have that thought. You need to be a whole person. You're not a half, you're not three-eighths, you're not five-sixteenths, but in Christ you can be a whole person. That you have everything you need for life and godliness. You know, I just want to find someone who will love me for the rest of my life. Hey, you know there's someone who promises to give you just that? Jesus promises. What safer love with that? What stronger love is there than that? What deeper love is there Than that. Now, in saying that, okay, so in saying that you need to make Jesus your main love, um, I also want to say it it is okay to want to be married. I mean, I know in this issue, I mean, this issue of singleness, like marriage, is for me, I, I know you don't really care about my plight, but let me just take you into my world for a second. It's like walking through a landmine because everything is nuanced, right? Everything is nuanced. And so, yes, make Jesus your main love, which sounds like you don't want to be married. Hey, it's okay to want to be married here. Uh, and, and I feel sorry for some of the young ladies because they've been told, hey, as soon as you're content, God will send you a man. And so you've got thousands of women all over the evangelical landscape pretending to be content. I'm content. Where Where is he? I mean, where, are He's somewhere? And it just makes you like this person who's just like, you know, you're just putting on this front. But on the other hand, you've got guys waiting around, waiting for God just to drop someone in their lap. And you don't wait for dinner. I mean, you get up and you make it or you microwave it or whatever you do. And it is, I mean, it's a good thing to pursue a wife. You know, you don't go hunt. You don't, like, go hang out Bed Bath & Beyond and, like, oh, you like those napkins too. Hi, my name's Brian. Like, you don't, you don't hunt all camoed up. You don't hunt... But it's a good thing to find a wife. You pursue a godly woman. You don't wait for it. And women, it's okay to want a spouse. It's okay to want to be married. You just have to be careful that it's not your supreme desire. You know, Paul says to young Timothy, he says, um, Godliness and contentment is great gain. It is an awful thing. It is a terrible thing. Thing it is a miserable existence to want something that you don't that God has not given you. That's true. It's it's miserable to want us to want someone the like you don't have that you know you don't have the house you want you know you don't you you want to live by the beach you don't live by the beach, um, you know you want to live here you want to live you want to do these things you want this you, that is terrible way to live. You see when we when we experience this discontent about about there's things that we want that we don't have we think that what we need to do is change our circumstances. The Bible answers that is not changing the external, but changing the internal. He wants to change our wants and desires. He wants to make us want what God wants us to want. He wants us to, to have the freedom to be content in all things. Paul in prison, content. Paul out of prison, content. Paul has lots of money, content. No money, content. Man, what, a, what an amazing way to live, to be free from your circumstances so is it okay to want a spouse is it okay to want a... is it okay to want, yeah it's great just don't make it supreme it's okay to have dessert it's not okay to have dessert first eat your vegetables eat your protein if you eat dessert first you'll be malnutrition and get sick a lot if you do that in your life you'll get sick you'll be malnutrition you know you know you make god your first love now i want to invite my, my wife is here uh, i 'm going to have her come and share some thoughts about i 'm going to share yeah come on up. I do not have a pretend wife; she is real, and she is here with me for those who are wondering um, so so our story uh, we 've been married we'll be married sixteen years in november uh, we 've met each other. Thank you thank you thank you um, We'll be married 16 years in December, September, okay. November, November. <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> I think I'll be married that long. Say, come on, come closer. Okay, um, <laughs> here we go, there we go. Um, so we met, um, I guess, 18 years ago at, at, at Jubilee was just getting started, right? 20 years, just getting started, like 40 people. And there was like five people who were our age at the time. And so I... Um, I asked her out, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. I, I asked four times, I got four no's. Now, there was a reason why she said no. It, was, it wasn't me, of course. It wasn't <laughs> me. It was her. There's a reason why she said no, and I just want her to explain to her why she said no. Because there's something in which she says, I think, is going to help and bless some of you.
0: Um, well, he was charming, sure. But I, I was recently um, saved. Not, I mean, just right before I met him, I'd come back to God, having been away for a while. and um,
1: We were both saved, we just didn't act saved. You know what that looks like?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and coming back to God, he had pretty radically pursued me. Um, and rescued me in a a really impactful way. And um, I had always dated, um, starting at the age of 14, and I felt like God was just revealing to me my weakness and how um, difficult it was for me to not idolize that. Um, And so having been radically pursued and loved by him, experiencing his love, I just felt like I really wanted to focus. I just really, I wanted to clear away distraction and focus on some of the things he was showing me that needed to be healed. There's a lot of brokenness um, in my background and he was really meeting with me on some of those things. And um, for me, it was just, I felt almost like protected by him. I wasn't desiring romance at that point. I just was desiring him and I wanted to make him first. So I just spent that year trying to obey him, trying to follow him in a way I hadn't before. And um, he was beginning to break things off of my life and heal me of a lot of stuff. I was able to really commit to the church. I grew up in the church off and on, but not, I never really knew what it was like to be discipled or, um, you know, commit to what a church was doing. So I was digging in deep with the church and the community um, and being discipled and studying the word for the first time in my life. just having a lot of sweet time being healed and pursuing God back.
1: So, so just to be clear, so like it wasn't like, okay, I'm, I'm, I got some issues so I shouldn't date. But it was more than just not dating. It was about pursuing something else. So it wasn't the, okay, the absence is just don't date and just kind of wait, 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 wait. But it's like, okay, God's given me something to do. This is an opportunity for me mm-hmm. and to pour your life into pursuing him, prayer, and study. Now... I did not ask her out. If, um, well I did, we did. I did ask her out again, but there was, as you can imagine. Please have sympathy for me. <laughs> as you can imagine, that um, I was a little gun shy, right? To you know, after all that, and I I would needed some help because I was just like, okay, I I, I thought you were interested, so I asked you. You're not, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, whatever. Just four times. So she was helpful though she did some things that helped us get together you just share a little bit about that because sometimes you hear something like this and you feel like okay okay i get it don't date that's not what we're saying can you say what we're saying
0: (laughs) well like i said god was doing some pretty miraculous healing and i was leaning into that um and I just hit a point where I felt like, I mean, we had pretty much stopped talking. He didn't even want to talk to me anymore. Um, where God started to change something in my heart. I was kind of seeing him in a different way. And um, having kind of felt a little bit shut off in that area, God started to awaken my heart toward him, which was weird. And so um, I just started kind of it's getting... that <laughs> weird. <laughs> I started getting in his way because I wanted to... I wanted to date him and, um, started, I went to Super Bowl party, which I never done. And I don't like football. Um, he didn't talk to me there and I, I don't know. I just started kind of going to him and talking to him and getting in his way and yeah,
1: I just thought like, man, like God's really impacted her life profoundly. I mean, she likes football now. Finally. She's like, <laughs> something's changed. I just thought anyway, so. The story just, hey. I asked know. him out. There she, you go. She, she I asked, asked out. him out. Thank you. That last time. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll oh, oh, take that. Yeah, you can have it. Sorry, I won't take it for So, So, the, the thing that, that, that God wants uh, for us, because it's what we need most, is Him. And if you're in this situation, if you're, if, you're, if you're single and feel a sense of brokenness, or you're, you're single and you don't, I mean, you just have this opportunity uh, to pursue Him and, and to, to love Him, to grow deep in Him. And, and if you are in this phase where you want to, um, in pursuing, it's great to pursue someone. Guys, pursue. And, and girls, if you're sitting there like, man, I don't know if you, I mean, it's okay to, to express that you're interested. I mean, there's some extremes there, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing to, to find a wife. It's a good thing to be, to be married. But the ultimate thing, the ultimate thing is making Jesus your main love. Secondly, uh, see singleness as a gift. Don't despise it or waste it. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So the Lord assigns gifts. And he says in this passage that marriage is a gift and singleness is a gift. But here's the thing about gifts. Gifts are not for you and I. The gifts that I have that God gives me are not intrinsically mine, meaning like I earn them and I have them and I possess them. So even like, so the gift of, you know, I have a leadership gift. I have a, a, a teaching gift and I, I don't, I, I should not use these gifts to make much of me or to make much of who I am. And so I get a parking spot and I'm a special person. I didn't, I'm just, you know, I just, God gave me something and I use it for other people. Same thing with your marriage and your singleness. Yes, you're meant to enjoy them. But they're a gift to you for others, for you to enjoy, and for others. Leveraging your marriage for others. Leveraging your your state, your season as a single for other people. And this is an amazing opportunity to know God. This is, as Rachel was talking about in her season, to, to, deep, to, to deepen her relationship with God and to do ministry. I know that there's this kind of like. kind of another little lie out there. As a single person, I think especially affects women that, hey, you know, like my my life doesn't start until I get married. My ministry or leadership doesn't start until I get married. I mean, the Bible says actually the opposite. It says, hey, when you're single, it's it's a greater opportunity. Paul rejoiced the fact that he was single because it meant more opportunity for him to do ministry. You know, when you get when you're married, you have someone else that you need to be accountable to, and there's someone else. So there's an investment of time, and when you have kids. There's an investment of time that you just don't have when you're single. So it's, it's not a it's not that life begins or even ministry or leadership begins when you come married. It's quite the opposite. You have a greater capacity when you're single, and so there should be no reason why if you're if you're a single man or single woman, you shouldn't have like you know a half dozen or so. You know, young people around you that you're pouring your life into and discipling, Uh, regardless of the age. um, And, you know, some of you 20 year olds, you know what? Teenagers think you're cool, even though you're not sometimes. (laughs) Like, leverage that. Seriously, leverage that. Spend some time, bring them through. But in the church we have this problem we have so many single people in the church who are ready to rush into marriage because they think their only chance at earthly happiness is marriage and the opposite and we have married people who are trying to rush out of their marriages because they think their only chance for earthly ha- happiness is to get out of that nobody's happy everyone's miserable nobody making the most of the season and the gifts that god has given them ecclesiastes 3 declares it there's a time for everything a season for everything everything has a purpose under heaven, your singleness is a gift. Uh, thirdly, celebrate when a friend gets married. I hope this doesn't sting too much because I've got biblical reason, but I want to tell the practical reason. Practically, bitterness is very unattractive. If there's a practical reason for you to celebrate, even if you don't, not really. I mean. The reason, one, is to avoid bitterness. And I don't know what this is from the, the, the woman's perspective, but for a guy, if there is a personality trait he is most averse to, it's bitterness. Because it's closely connected with nagging. And we can smell that a mile away. <laughs> what anything to do with it? Bitterness is very unattractive. That's a practical reason. The The spiritual reason... Is Romans twelve fifteen? Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. When someone, something good happens to someone, man, we need to rejoice. If something bad happens to someone, we need to mourn and sympathize and be pathetic. And that, that's if we can't, that's an issue with our own heart. Um. I mean, I think this, is, this verse actually, this is a different subject. I think this verse actually has a lot of reasons why um, we have so much junk with races, between, you know, racism. The inability to sympathize with another person is killing us as a society and as a community. And the gospel has a very profound answer. When something good happens to someone, be happy. Something bad happens to someone, be sad. Because we were connected, you and I are connected. Fourthly, focus on being Mr. or Mrs. Wright than finding Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And here's why: um, Every Saturday, men and women make promises to each other that they cannot keep. They spend lots of money, they get all dressed up. they invite all their friends and family. They come and stand in front of a guy like me and they make promises that they can't keep. Now they want to, they intend to, but they can't. And here's why. Very simple reason that is obvious in every area of life except relationships. And that is a promise is no substitute for preparation. We get that in every area of life. Um, Marathon runners What determines whether or not you'll finish isn't the promise you make to finish. It's the preparation you make to finish. Take an exam. Your promise to pass means nothing. Your preparation to pass means everything. Go get a loan at a bank. They don't care about your promise. Oh, I really mean it. They want to know about preparation. They want to know about your income history. They want to know about how you've dealt with debt in the past. They want to know about your preparation. Promise means nothing. Um, I could, I, I could say, hey, next month I'm preaching in German. I promise. Let's get a notary. Do a notary. I spill some blood. We can do. We could. I could promise you that I am going to speak in German, and it won't matter if I don't prepare to speak German. Just because you, I, just because you say I do, does not make you able. Just because you say, I do, doesn't make you capable. It just makes you accountable. And what you are accountable to, what you're not capable of doing, makes you miserable. Preparation is no, excuse me, promise is no substitute for preparation. And again, people are making these promises every Saturday. And they're not going to keep them, not because they don't mean to, just because they've never prepared. And here's the good news. If you're single, you have time to prepare. But here's the bad news. You'll never be less motivated than you are right now. Time up here, motivation down here. Now, when you get married, motivation kind of ran out of time. focus on being Mr. or Mrs. Right than finding Mr. or Mrs. Right. And here's the thing, if you, if you are if you're trying to be Mrs. Right or Mr. Right, your chances of attracting the person that you're looking for is, is like goes up by a factor of 10. What do you do in this time? Well, just do whatever you hope the other person does. Man, I want to meet someone who really pursues God. Well, then pursue God. I want to pursue someone who's, who who isn 't self centered but actually loves me more than i didn't, didn't be be that way likes attract like 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 people are attracted to each other as, as, uh, if you 're a selfish person, you will not attract a non selfish person so I don't have to be so quiet, but there you go um, Fifthly, gentlemen, be realistic. Be realistic. Um, Don't expect you'll find a supermodel who knows Greek and Hebrew. And if you do, why would she be interested in you anyway? Be realistic. Be realistic about attractiveness. Now, attractiveness is important. I'm just trying to help. I mean, I hope you guys can handle that. I'm just trying to be helpful. Attractiveness is important. When I met my wife, I did not think, oh my gosh, there's a godly woman. I did. I, there's an attractive person. Attractiveness is important. But here's what I'm talking about. What happens, it's not, I mean, because they're, they're, what happens, I think, in a guy a guy, a guy? a guy is his own worst enemy because he begins to think things like, well, what if I find someone more attractive? Here's a better question. What if she finds someone more attractive? Which probably isn't that hard to do. Yeah. Hey, if, yeah, if you're married, do not clap. Do not clap. But look, you know what? You may meet someone more attractive. But here's, here's a principle in the Bible. It talks about money, but I think it applies here. Matthew uh, Matthew 6. Um, Where your heart is, excuse me, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's another word saying, where you put value is where your affection lies. Where you put value is where your affection lies. If you think today's going to be a good day, you'll probably find reasons why it's a good day. If you think today's going to be a bad day, there'll probably be reasons why you'll find it's going to be a bad day. People fall in and out of love, not because of some external force, because of something internal. They stopped valuing one another and their affections followed. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. To grow out of love... To grow out of love for someone is not an indictment on the other person. It's an indictment on you. You've failed to cultivate what God has, give, has brought to you. So if you begin to find someone unattractive, it's not, be, not necessarily because of them. You've not cultivated your desire and passion for them. I mean, I truly believe. I truly be, my, my wife to me is more attractive to me now than she ever has been. And my guess is she'll always, I'll always see her that way because of this, because of what the Bible says. That the more I place my heart, the more, the more I value her, the more I see her face and her shape as valuable, the more attractive and more, more affection I'll have for it. So it's up to you, men, how attractive your wife is. It's not up to her. Ladies, don't settle. Men, be realistic. Ladies, don't settle. Men, come down. Ladies, come up. Um, This may be another generalization. I apologize for this. I know it's just like everyone, you know, it's nuanced. So if this generalization doesn't fit you, I'm sorry. Um it seems to me that um, it's a it's a bigger deal to to be married is a bigger deal to women than it is to men It seems that way to me um, they're they're more anxious to get to that day I'm, i have, i have 2 daughters. my daughter ella when she was 3 we're sitting in bed together playing in bed together talking playing she sees a picture of my wife and i on our mar- on our wedding day and she's, she's like, who's that? Because, you know, this guy in a tux. And who's that kissing mommy? And, uh, and I said, well, that's me. And I said to her, um, I'm mommy's husband. And she looks at me, and her lips starts to quiver. She's like, well, I don't have a husband. <laughs> I'm like, you're three years old. I go down to my wife is like, I can't handle this kind of anxiety when she's three, or much less when she's thirteen or twenty-three. So it just seems to me that it's a little more for women. It's a little more anxious about being married than it is for than it is for men. Um, and so this could apply. This could apply to men, but I think it may apply more to. To women, and, and there's a point in every relationship where I don't know because when people come talk to me and they tell me about some of the things that they're experiencing, there's a thought in me, like, Oh, didn't you see that come when that when he said that? Didn't you know that? Didn't a friend ever warn you? And it reminds me of this verse, Proverbs 14 8 the wisdom of the prudent. Is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Basically, a prudent person understands that all of life is connected. That what happened in my past affects my present, and my present will someday be my future. And, and so, all of life is connected. And that if it, if this is the if this if A became B, and then B became C, C will probably become D. Will probably not jump to Q. Right. All of life is connected. The prudent person pays attention to their ways. You know what ways are? Ways are patterns, behaviors. Those of us who have kids, it's like you you know what your kid's going to do five minutes before they do it. It's why when a friend shows up late, you're like, well, that's unusual. I'm worried, or that's the way they always are. Because you have ways. We have patterns. It's why comedians can make fun of people and impersonate people. Because we have ways of doing things. Right? The wise person... The prudent person gives thought to their ways. They pay attention to habits and trends. The fool, on the other hand, ignores them. The fool is the one who thinks, just because it happened 99 times doesn't mean it'll happen again. Well, yeah, it kind of probably does. Somehow the hundredth time will be different. We're unique. Hey, let me say something. It's all love of my heart. God has made you unique. You are as unique as a fingerprint. You are as unique as a, you are unique. Your story is not unique. There's like four stories out there, and you've got one of these stories. And they all that's why that's why you could say 50 percent of marriage, 70 percent. I know we don't live our lives by statistics. We live our lives by what we feel. And we're great salesmen. We can talk ourselves into anything. Oh 99 times out of 100 this happens but I feel this way so I'll do this. We don't we don't live our life by statistics. I know that. The prudent person gives thought to their ways. The fool on, on the other hand ignores them. Or Proverbs 14:15 says it a little bit differently. The simple believe anything. But the prudent give thought to their steps. The simple believe anything why well because we have a song and we're in love. And your parents are like, but does he have a job? It doesn't matter because we have a song. And we're in love. (laughs) And he's the one. It's just going to work out magically. I know about his past. I know that he flunked out of school. But that wasn't his fault. He told me his professor was just out to get him. You see, when you're in love, you believe anything. Because that's part of being in love. You just do irrational things. Right? It's, It's legitimately a part of being in love. You just you know, that love is blind, you just see things that, or you don't see things that everyone else sees. That's why your friends ask you a hundred questions. Like, they're looking at past trends, behaviors, direction. How much debt did you say he had? And, you know, what happened in his other marriage? And why did he get fired? Oh my gosh, run, 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 run. And you're like, our initials are the same. (laughs) And when they ask you why you like him, you don't say anything of of substance. You just say, well, I just, I think he's really cute. And I really like the way you know I feel when I'm around him. He just pays attention to me. It looks like you're looking for a puppy, not a husband. You're... But he says that when we get married, that he'll change. Not only that, that he says that I can help him change. He needs me. No. He needs his mama and a counselor. You need to go like get a puppy or something, but you should not be getting married. The simple will believe anything. The prudent give thought through their ways, to steps, to direction, to patterns, to ways of doing things. Um, Physically. Physically. Delay the physical side of the relationship as long as possible. Um, here's why. I've never heard anyone ever say, you know the problem with our relationship is it just didn't get physical fast enough. <laughs> never heard that. I've heard the opposite. And there's a, And the reason why is because, here's the problem, when the physical goes up in the relationship, sorry, when the physical goes up, the relationship goes down. Here's what I mean. So you just you've you started down the physical route, and it's like you eat dinner, and hey, let's skip the movie. I really, should, talking goes down. Hey, let's just skip dinner. Let's just meet at each other's house. Now I know you're church folk, and you guys don't do that. But... When the physical side goes up, the conversational side goes down, and, and, there's, and then there's these lies that we begin to believe that is. Um, it feels like common sense, but it's just a massive lie. And so we, 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 we believe things like, well, I need, to fi- I need to have sex with this person to find out if they're sexually compatible with me. Let me spare you the suspense. You are sexually compatible with millions and millions of people. There are thousands of people in St. Louis you are sexually compatible with. There are very few people that you are relationally compatible with. When the physical goes up, the relationship goes down. And you are a fool because you are testing the wrong aspect. You're not testing for the rarest part, you're, you're, you're testing for what is common. And here's the thing uh, research, no, you know, research outside the, the I mean, out. University of research. The key to that when they've done uh, te- um, research on sexual satisfaction, research says the best sex happens inside a safe, intimate relationship. So the key to sex isn't physical anyway, it's relational. I mean, we are obsessed in our culture with technique. I and mean, there's not a magazine that you could read that doesn't talk, when it talks about sex, it doesn't talk about technique. I mean, you can read like Field and Stream. And it's just like, I just want to catch a bass. Like, what is going on? It's everywhere. And we know, we know that it's way, sex is way beyond the physical act. I mean, I'm not even talking about the Bible here. And I, and I could talk about that some other time. But... Um, Sex is way more than a physical act. And, and I want you to hear my heart here. And I, um, I'm not taking this, saying this lightly. It's why rape and sexual abuse victims are treated differently by us than those who are just beat up. The physical wounds heal way before The wounds that happen because of the sexual violation and we know that we know that sex just isn't physical we know there's something about it that's way more tied to our soul and our identity that all the treatment in the world sometimes can't handle or can't fix It's God has made it to be so with that kind of power. And again, I know you're not into statistics. That's not how you live your life. But in case you are, if you live together before you're married, your divorce rate goes up another 50%. So it's already 50%. It goes up another, so like 70-something percent. If you live together before you're married, your partner is eight times more likely to cheat on you. Don't think you'll be different. Don't the simple believe anything. The prudent give thought to the ways. The prudent give thought to their steps. Now here's the thing about God. God wants to speak to some of us this morning. I think he wants to speak to all of us. And there are a few groups that I just want to speak to right now. One is I want to speak to the the teenage girl who may be tempted to think that she's not worth it. That who she is and who God's made her to be and her sexuality is not worth it. I just, I, I want you to know, in case no one's ever told you, that you're worth it. there are men in this church who'd want to say that too. Older brothers, fathers in this church who would look you in the eye and say that you're worth it. Don't believe a lie from anyone else, especially some ignorant teenage boy that you don't have that kind of value. God died for you. You've been bought with a price, and the price is no less than His blood. He puts tremendous value on you. For those of us who've who may feel like who've have gotten a little older and may feel like um, I'm not loved no one pursues me no one knocks on my door revelation 321 jesus is knocking on your door behold i stand at the door and knock if you open the door i will come in the the arms that you're looking for are his arms the embrace that you're looking for is his embrace the thing inside of you that aches um, that maybe even you feel like i can't take this another day, he has it for you if you will open the door he is per- he has been pursuing you since the foundation of the world for those of us who look back in our lives and we see the wreckage that we've made or others have made i mean i I I am a stat guy. I know the stats. One out of every three women have been sexually abused over the age of 18. That's just those who report it. One out of six men have been sexually abused. To say that there's people here who have been sexually abused is not difficult to predict. You may look back on your life and you may just see pain and sorrow and I'm worthless. I've been treated worthless. I've, I've acted worthless. God, God using me, whatever. Hear let me tell you something about God. God loves his two favorite things, redeem, restore. He loves to redeem and restore. Here's, God is not the God who comes into an old neighborhood with a wrecking ball and just tears everything down and builds new stuff. He's the God who comes in with very, very carefully, restores, and rehabs, and makes it better than it ever was. He loves to make us white as snow. He loves to make us new creations. He loves to extend mercy that is new every morning. I want this series to be a from this day forward, not just for those who are of us who are married, but for those of us who are single as well, who may look back and, and just see wreckage. God wants to heal that. He wants to restore that. He doesn't just want to do that, but he wants, invi- he wants to invite you into and show you that the, the, your best days are in front of you. That he has good works for you to walk in. It is impossible to decrease in God. It's only possible to increase. And that's true of you. You're not the exception to that. You know, his, his arm, it says in Isaiah, his arm is not too short. He didn't have one of those T Rex arms, it just, it's long, it can, it can reach. You're not the exception. Don't believe lies that you're not valuable. Don't believe lies that no one loves you or pursues you. Don't believe the lies that you are, are are nothing but wreckage behind your life. It's just not true. It can change for you today. It really, really can. He loves you with an eternal love. So women, once again, don't settle. Men, we don't like rejection. We, we're afraid. Some of us are f- afraid to ask out other women. I mean, rejection hurt. I, I have four times it hurt every time. Some of some of us though. Maybe you grew up in a home where you're fa- you felt rejected by your father and that's carried over into how you treat women and how you interact in life, that you're afraid to take risk. You've either become really dominant and abusive to other people to make up for something, some insecurity, or you've gone really passive and you're afraid. That's why I encourage you to, to let God fix you to let God heal that deep sense of rejection in you, He wants to do that. He wants to He wants to fix what's broken in you as well. I'm going to pray for I'm going to pray for you and pray for us. If you bow your heads with me, those of you in Washington and the Lake, can bow your heads as well. God, we just thank you for your eternal love for us. That you're near to the brokenhearted. That you don't just snuff us out. That you seek to like fan us into flame. You won't crush a bruised reed. Guys, pray you minister to men and women. I pray you put truth where there's lies. I pray you put hope where there's hurt. I pray you that they would know their value in you because you died for them. I pray that they would feel, I pray we all would feel your pursuit. God, if I can't feel you pursuing me, my life will end up in all kinds of unrighteousness. God, I pray that we would all feel your pursuit of us, that you love us, you want to be with us. And your love is the greatest love guys pray for those who've experienced rejection and pain and abuse mistakes that we've made sin that we've committed and sin committed against us i lord you are a restorer you love to make things new i pray you make things new today i pray you would show us all what you have for us that our life doesn't begin in one day in the future and and our best days weren't behind us but our best days are in front of us because we're in you Pray healing and hope. Amen.